Eyes on Whiteness is a podcast that illuminates the insidious and ignorant ways of whiteness, regardless of intent. Our guests are invited to practice the work of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy, as these constructs are pervasive and ever-present for all of us. I'm Deidre Barber Vasquez, Black and Puerto Rican, lesbian, New York Californian, living in the Southwest, mother to dog child Onyx, cis woman. I am my own, I am my mother's, I am Earth's, I am you. And I'm Maureen Benson, a white, straight, cisgender woman living in Oakland, California, doing my best to be a principled accomplice for racial justice in these apocalyptic times. I also hella love my dogs, Wagyu, and Philly. In season two, we're excited to share with you a series of incredible conversations with extraordinary guests that we invite to engage the question, what does it look like to be an intersectional integrity? We want to thank our brilliant and kind producer, Aaron Rand Freeman. And don't forget, if you'd like to support us, we do appreciate it. You can find us on Patreon, Eyes on Whiteness, and you can rate and leave a review anywhere you're listening to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, Maureen. Hey, Deidre. We are back from... We are. <laughs> what? We are. Where, what have we been on? <laughs> Break. Pause. Interruption. Life. We have been lifing. We've been Life lifing. has been lifing and we've been lifing. Yeah. yeah. That is for sure. Yeah. Well, but I appreciate you making the time. This this was a last minute or impromptu. Is that the better word? Impromptu conversation. So and at my request. So I thank you for making the time. Always. Thank you for the invitation. This was definitely a, whew, what a fucking week. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Yeah. So I was thinking about, you know, before we got on, I was just kind of like, ugh. I started getting like, I had to transmute. I had to like <laughs> sit in transmutation of showing up because I was getting stuck in perfectionism and thinking like, how do you, how do I open this? How do we open this? And what is the right way? And you know, am I supposed to say the names of all the elders who were killed in Buffalo, New York? And I, you know, I'd like, I went through this whole process mm-hmm. and where I landed is like, we could do that if that's authentic to you. That's not really an authentic thing to me. It's not out of disrespect. It's just for me to do that feels disingenuous mm-hmm. that for me, it's enough to just be like, I wanted to talk to you about what happened in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, because I'm curious and it's a conversation that you and I have been having here and there, but I'm often curious about the ways in which I perceive and observe white people's response to blackness or Mm -hmm. the pain of black people, um, the murder of black people. Uh, and I definitely have chilled (laughs) since the first time I thought I was like, you know, I was in a lot of rage, a lot of fucking rage. And anger, um, you know, so I, you know, quick story, I will say this because I think other folks might feel this. Like I was in the grocery store yesterday. I was telling my wife about this and I love the work that we're doing this, this idea of transmuting because what it's teaching me is to just be really present and observational of myself and aware of how I'm moving and why, right? Um, not always the why, but sometimes having the why is helpful. Mm-hmm. And I was in the grocery store yesterday and I was up at the, 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 the meat and seafood counter, fish counter. And, uh, this particular grocery store, it's always busy. You got to grab a number. And I was, I'd been standing there for a while. Like when I grabbed a number, there was like eight or nine people ahead of me. And I see this elder black woman come by me with her cart and she grabs a number and I'm looking up and my number is like two away and she's looking around and 
then my number gets called and I just like made a beeline to the elder and I was like, excuse me, ma'am. And she looked at me and I was like, you're up. And I gave her my number and then I oh, took okay. hers. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, seven back again. So I <laughs> had to wait, but you know, I did it without really thinking. And mm-hmm. then I realized that, you know, she got her stuff and as she was going away, I was still standing there waiting to get called. She got eye contact with me and said, thank you. And I said, you're welcome. And I realized in that moment, I wanted to follow her around the store to make sure she was okay. And later I had to like really think about, oh, that's the grief. Like that's the grief. That's trauma. That's me processing, you know, Mm -hmm. that's me processing. So I'm still in it. Uh, And I am also curious around, uh, not that I expect you to represent white people <laughs> and at the same time you know you're my white friend so i want to ask you some <laughs> questions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um or just have a conversation like you know yeah. in particular i had an experience a couple days after a work experience in which i was in a i was in a zoom meeting and i was i'm curious your take on my experience perception of how the white folks in that meeting showed up mm-hmm. and how the folks of color, you know, we're talking about it's a rough week. We're trying to figure it out. We're moving mm-hmm. through it. You know, I'm here. And then the white folks check in and it's like, honestly, this is going to sound fucked up, but what came in my head was like, it's howdy duty time. Like that's what mm-hmm. it felt like. It was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything's great everything's wonderful I had a great weekend yeah. bloody blah blah yeah. and I texted you know one of the other black women on the call on the zoom I texted her and I literally just wrote kill me now because I just was like I don't know that I don't I don't get like I want to mm-hmm. I'm trying to transmute it like I want to be able to say yeah like people get to show up like we talk a lot in the course about people getting to show up however they are, where they are. And so I want to hold that value, right? I want Mm -hmm. to center that. And also I'm just super curious about that because it would Mm -hmm. never, it would never dawn on me to show up that way. Like I wouldn't necessarily lie, but I would definitely regulate myself to Mm -hmm. meet the room, right? To read the room and, and, and out of a sense of humanity and shared grief. Mm-hmm. to be a little bit more demure about mm-hmm. it. But I don't know if that's, I'm not saying that that's the right way. <clears throat> yeah. That could totally be my codependency, but I, it left me curious. I'm wanting to have a conversation about what the fuck is that? And it did yeah. come up, it came up again in a, in a conversation I was with, with two other black women yesterday where one of them had a similar experience and their their take on it was very much around the I, they were listening to they were listening to kpfa they were listening to someone on kpfa talk about it and the person was was a, a white man and they were saying the names of the people mm-hmm. killed and then he ended it by saying and I didn't listen to it. So this is third person, right? So second person, third person. But they ended it. He ended it by saying he wanted to acknowledge that he didn't. That this experience doesn't affect him the way that it affects black people. And so mm-hmm. he didn't. Uh, something like that. Like, I don't know. He just it, it was a way of him acknowledging the difference, which I totally understood. I was like, OK, I get that. And the woman I was with was saying for her the impact of that was quite off-putting because for her, she was like, you need to be fucking black to have some grief or remorse mm-hmm. for people being killed, being gunned down, mm-hmm. elders being killed and gunned down mm-hmm. in the supermarket, mm-hmm. you know? And so I didn't, hadn't thought about it that way, but that's another mm-hmm. way. Like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. all this stuff. I'm just wondering, like, what I'm curious about your take on both of those mm-hmm. scenarios, mm-hmm. if you are... Mm-hmm willing to share well i can uh, i can actually relate to both of those scenarios so i can speak in the eye 
because um, I don't obviously represent anyone else. Um, you know, I think I, I shared this with you yesterday. I have noticed a pattern in my, what I perceive to be a delayed emotional grief response when, um, mass violence and violence against black folks happen in this country. Like if I'm really honest and reflect on how that has occurred for me and it is through the relationships that I have with black folks that has had me to realize just how numb I am. Um, And like, then I, I, have consistently kind of gone through a, you know, in the practice of transmuting it, that this cycle I'm about to share is a little bit faster. I'm able to move through it faster, but there's like an awareness, like, oh, I'm not having the same response that black folks I know and love are having. And then there's shame. Like I should be, what the fuck is up with my humanity? And then there's um, action where I'm like, okay, so what should I be doing? Right. And then it can like jump to action. But what I'm present to when I go through that is like what I'm skipping over is emotion. Right. Like, I mean, guilt, I guess, is an emotion, but it's a response that in my whiteness spawns me to action, you know. And so um, the other thing. Um, so I guess I say that to say related to the person on the radio, like I am aware of that. I don't have those same responses. And I the, the only conclusion I can draw as of now is that it takes for me relationship with black people whom I love and dedicated practice to undoing anti-blackness in myself, which very quickly defaults to dehumanizing uh, the death of black folks. And, you know, it even is a lot of work to acknowledge that. Like right now I'm not sitting in shame, but there have been times to even acknowledge that my throat has closed up. It has been really, I felt a lot of shame and guilt to acknowledge that. And that is what's so like, that is an impact of the indoctrination of uh, anti-blackness and white supremacy into my thinking. That is one way I've seen that play out many, many times. Now, when that has been different is when it's been a person I know, when it's a child that I've worked with in education, like we go right to, I go right to the emotion. I'm devastated, Mm -hmm. right? There's a human being that I know Mm -hmm. and I can connect it to rage and systemic rage and racism. And there's a, a, a connection that I have had uh, with other, particularly black folks in the community who are mourning the loss of that child, the other kids in the community, right? Like that has felt very different than, you know, and I kind of, I actually, in this moment, I just realized there's a connection for me. It's all in connection because when 9-11 happened, I was here in California, but you and I both grew up in New York and the morning 9-11 happened, I was fucked up, like Mm -hmm. fucked up. I actually thought my godmother was on the 96th floor. I couldn't reach her. Like I was like not well. And when I went to school, when I went to the high school that I was working at, the kids were making jokes about it by 10 or 11 in the morning. And I remember being aware of, oh, to them, that's some foreign place that they don't Mm -hmm. have connection to. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, so here in this moment, uh, it's not as insidious as anti-blackness and white supremacy is, but I, I think that like I, there's a there's something to the ways in which both energetically and spiritually white supremacy has um, caused such divide that I think that there's a way in which I have had to consciously and continue to have to consciously be aware that that divide exists and it manifests in numbness for mm. me. Um, so you know I. I, all I can do is be aware, like it took me probably 36 hours for that to hit. Like I sort of knew what happened. And then I was like, I went through like, oh, I, you know, I didn't know the extent of what happened. I didn't really find out until Monday. And then it wasn't until I was talking to other black folks who were viscerally fucked up about it that I mm-hmm. like started that spiral again. Where I was like, fuck, I should have. Right. And then, um, you know, okay, well, how can I, how can I show up and support people that I love in this space. And very quickly, I actually, I think I told you this too, like I'm realizing this pattern of numbness has prompted me to get back into therapy. And so I was actually, I had a call with my previous therapist on Tuesday where I was like, "Mm, 
this is not a pattern I want to continue. And it wasn't directly related to Buffalo, but there's just a pattern of numbness that I've been noticing in my life um, in these times, particularly in the last couple of years as things have been hard. And so um, I would connect that to the experience I've had where um, as a white woman in the room, that reading the room that you talk about has not, um, the immediate thought I had when you said like, how do, how do folks just not read the room and practice like being, you know, whether it's like a, a de-escalate or demure, you know, so, something to like back it up. And I think that numbness for me, that lack of feeling it's appropriate or valued to connect to my emotions prompts wanting to fill the space with feel good energy you know, like, oh, I'm up to this and this is great. And because it can feel for me like, I mean, now I've done a lot of work where I'm like, no, I hold what is true for folks. I don't try to, um, you know, change the the tone of the room. Like if, if there is a, a sober sadness, folks are in pain. There's nothing to fix other than to just be where people are. That has been years of learning and unlearning. Actually, is a better way to say that, where I feel like what I was taught in terms of professionalism uh, mm-hmm. was to mm-hmm. be, you know, to keep everybody moving, keep, you know, keep the keep the levity and how fucked up that is when such, you know, horrible, horrible things happen and grief is absolutely an appropriate response. And it's one of the things I've really appreciated about working with you where, you know, we've talked about this with some of our clients. We're like, do you have a calling out black day? Right? Like and black folks in the room are like nodding, nodding. And the white folks are like, what, what is that? You know, there's not even an awareness of that because there's a difference in, you know, a matter of your, your survival, Deidre, in reading the room. That's uh, a matter of your survival, you know, whereas there are ways in which, that is true for me, but professionally, that's not really true for me. I don't need to read the room to be yeah. safe, you know? And so I, yeah. I think that there is a, a level of awareness, self-awareness, and certainly that intersectional inquiry of like, wait, am I reading the room? Like, who, who's in this room? Who's not in this room? What, what do I need to be reading and being right. aware of? And, you know, what's happening within me that... Am I trying to push down discomfort and what am I then bringing into the room and how can that be causing harm to others? You know, so those right. are questions that I'm, I'm regularly in a space around and not perfect. Like it's still, uh, my preference would be to bring easefulness to discomfort, except what, e- what, what comfort can you bring right. to yeah. folks grieving yeah. other than I love you. How can I show up for you? Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. But that right to comfort is going to block that, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, not funny, haha, but funny and aha that. Um... <laughs> Great. It's funny, aha. I love it. <laughs> um, that, you know, one of the things that we always talk about in this, this, this journey of transmitting white supremacy and patriarchy is the idea of how not if is white supremacy and patriarchy present. Right. And I'm often in conversation, even with folks of color of like, you know, part of like some of our default behavior, even as folks of color, is that white supremacy and patriarchy are in fact white people or men's problem, right? It stops mm-hmm. there. Like sure. cis or trans men should be concerned about patriarchy and white people should be concerned about white supremacy because mm-hmm. everyone else is off the hook. Um, and I, and I say that to say like, you, you know, when you said, God, I didn't want to write because I didn't want the, the, the mic to pick up my writing. (laughs) So now I can't remember, but it was, it was around the how, not if, and that I was realizing what I was doing was I was forgetting. Oh yeah. So even, you know, sometimes I forget to utilize that tool in a way. Sometimes I forget it to utilize it, that it too lives in me. And so I need to be present. Mm-hmm. But also in terms of 
remember, like even for me in terms of how I want to move in the world and remember the humanity of everybody and mm-hmm. remembering that it's moving in white people even who don't necessarily want it to, right? Like these are these were white folks on this call who are actually helping work on a project for by of black people. So mm-hmm. I know that there's some commitment to a yeah. cause somewhere, you know, that's a line. Sure. But um but I didn't actually for myself didn't necessarily make space. I couldn't. And I'm not I'm not beating myself up over it, right? Because mm-hmm. I know again as I transmute that, that's the grief and the rage, right. right? And the constant poking. But I was unable to, and that's why I appreciate having the conversation, because it isn't until now that I am able to see that, yeah, white supremacy is at play because it's it allows for that um it allows for that disconnect. Like it fosters the disconnection between people. That's why supremacy, it, it mm-hmm. wants to disconnect us from each other. Mm-hmm. So is that play in that, in the person not not feeling connected enough to us to m- at least move in a way that was just a level down yeah. um, by choice, by just wanting to make that space. But then also thinking about, oh, I hadn't really thought about, oh, yeah, by virtue of white supremacy, I do have to read the room, right? You know, like that's my white supremacy and patriarchy, of course. Like I, and I know that, but I wasn't able to make the connection then. Mm-hmm. You know, like it takes, I always tell my clients, like it, uh, oftentimes clients want to learn, you know, four skills of transmitting white supremacy and think their entire lives are going to change immediately. Right, and I'm right, like, right, no, right, this, right. this is going to, it takes some time, even for me, who's been intentionally employing this way of life for years now. It's not until this moment that I am able to like, and in community, we talk about transformation doesn't happen in isolation. Mm-hmm. Transformation happens in community, like being able to have this conversation with you. And I hope mm-hmm. that that helps others like, to, um, or assist others in their own process, whatever that might mm-hmm. look like around just learning, right? So learning for me, one of like, oh, Though it is a super, I feel it as a superpower, like my ability to read the room, my empathic mm-hmm. tendencies are a superpower. They mm-hmm. did in fact, though, come out, some of it, some of it, I think it's just maybe my personality and virtue of gifts that ancestors are giving me, but some of it did in fact come out of the trauma of white supremacy and patriarchy and a need to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it in that sense. And it doesn't, you know, it, it helps a little bit. It's still kind of, I'm still a little pissy. <laughs> I'm still a little, sure. I'm, I'm still a little bothered because I'm just like, I, I don't, like, but that's the thing. I always talk to my clients about, like, I, we're, I don't understand it. I don't need to understand it to make space for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to deem, I don't need to understand it to not demonize it. I'm just not going to demonize it. And, mm-hmm. um, in my practice of transmuting patriarchy in regarding myself, just regarding that it bothers me. Mm-hmm. And I want to remember that we're all dealing with the ramifications and implications, consequences of white supremacy and patriarchy and mm-hmm. how we think, mm-hmm. you know, how our experiences of our, our, our embodiment, you know, whether mm-hmm. I can sense my, sense my emotions or feelings because my worldview is like oh we have the like i think not to put this on you maureen but i do i think you have the feelings and the emotions Mm -hmm. it's it's patriarchy and white Mm -hmm. supremacy that severs that realization that that is there Mm -hmm. you know like i think for me to remain with hope that white people will be part of the process of moving out of this paradigm yeah. I have to think about it in terms of it's not that it doesn't exist. It's that the connection is disconnected mm-hmm. and the work is to connect, make, you know, re reestablish that synapse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you uh, thinking about the root, one of the roots of this being connection. And even in just reaching out to have a conversation rooted in connection uh, to gain better understanding and 
you know, it leads me to wonder, like, what are the types of questions you wish white folks in community with you would be asking of themselves, right? So that, because this isn't, I mean, it's a tricky situation in that you're in some spaces as a facilitator, but you're also a Black person post another trauma, right? And then what's the default that happens, right? Like, and I don't know what the default is, but like, I can predict white folks taking up a whole lot of space, acting like stuff didn't happen, black folks moderating themselves or not, uh, Mm -hmm. right? And then causing some sort of disequilibrium in the room. And so like, there's a pattern that happened. I mean, sadly, right? The the death of black people at the hands of state violence and white supremacists is a pattern. And it, yeah, it leads me to wonder, like, what are the questions we that you in particular, but I'm, I'm opening up the space for both of us to think about, like, what are the questions that white folks can be asking themselves or that spaces can be requesting white folks ask of themselves mm-hmm. when this happens? Sadly, mm-hmm. I just say when this happens. You know, one of my here. sessions. Yeah, one of my sessions on Tuesday, I want to say I left them with. I didn't. It was off the cuff. It was yeah. just off the cuff. And I just said, look, if you're not having a conversation about what happened on Sunday with your white people, ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. Why are you mm-hmm. not talking about it? That I don't, you know, and then I don't want to judge it, but then mm-hmm. just keep going deeper and deeper. Yeah. Keep asking questions of yourself as to why it's not a topic, why yeah. it's not something that you feel like you you need to talk about it with your partner, your kids, your neighbors, because that to me is part of the issue, mm-hmm. right? And like I I yeah, so I I that's one question or like I th- think like and like prefacing for me having worked a lot with white folks, I'd say like and it's not a question that you have to engage with other people because I think we'll That's that right. whatever comes up will create shame or guilt and then not have the conversation, right? So mm-hmm. it's like this is just mm-hmm. for yourself to mm-hmm. unpack for yourself mm-hmm. of like you know, if you're not talking about it, why are you not talking about it? And if you are talking about it, from what lens are you talking about it? When mm-hmm. uh, when are you silencing yourself when you're in conversation with other people because they might say this, that, or the other? Mm-hmm. And what what would work? You know, what works for you and wasn't doesn't work for you around that self silencing? Yeah, yeah. Particularly if someone says something that you know is callous or unfeeling, mm-hmm. or you sense is callous and unfeeling, but you mm-hmm. don't say anything. Mm-hmm. What is that and what, why that choice and mm-hmm. trying to do it without shaming, self-shaming, but just trying to get to why that choice, mm-hmm. what works about that, what doesn't work about that mm-hmm. and what's the next step? Should it happen again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really finding myself curious when we slow down and breathe and seek clarity between awareness and jumping to action, what do we find? Mm. And, I, and I mean that for, I mean that as an open-ended question and like to your point about what lens am I looking at that question with as a white person, what, when I become aware of a tragic incident where black people are murdered and whatever happens in between and then action, slow down and be mm-hmm. able to articulate it, be able to speak to it. Right. And so like that. Or feel it. Really, right. Also be well, able to feel it as well. That as was my next question was then where does it live in the body? Mm-hmm. Right. And what are the emotions you're present to? Plural. Right. Because guilt is a feeling or shame is a feeling. And. You know, for me, I don't know about anyone else, but for me, my immediate response to guilt and shame is either one of two things. It's either like be super activated and want to be in action, Mm -hmm. which leads to white savior work, Mm -hmm. which is problematic, or it leads to lethargy and silence. uh, And then now I'm complicit and not doing anything. And both of those are like way on the other ends of the spectrum. So what's the Mm -hmm. in between? Between. Right. Like what is the in between there? And I love that you're, you know, it would be beautiful if folks could have these conversations. Um, 
And if, you know, for whatever reason, not able to have that conversation or the conversation is not accessible to you, then what does it look like to sit in reflection? And what does it look like to systematize that question, right? Like I, I worked with a group one time where um, a young person that had been a part of, uh, it was like an art center and a young person that had been a part of the art center, a young black person had been killed. And I walked in, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that, but I walked in to facilitate a meeting and it was brought to my attention. And so I was like, well, then we're just going to pause on this pre-dedicated agenda. And the white leadership of the organization was like, no, we got to keep it going. We only have so many meetings. And I was like, "Mm -mm, we're building agreements. Let's talk about an agreement of acknowledging trauma and what that looks like Mm. in organizational work particularly the trauma of folks whose voices are not centered, right? Whose, whose needs and we're having conversations about anti-racist strategic planning and you want to like keep going. And a black person was just (laughs) murdered here yesterday. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's, it's so typical. The laughter of recognition, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And so what does that look like? You know, I'm thinking about people who hold, you know, hold power and privilege in organizations, whether it's racial power and privilege, whether it's, you know, uh, leadership power and privilege, positional power and privilege. What does it look like to institutionalize the pause and to invite folks to show up as they are and to express what they need with, like you said, like what lens am I making my request through? Because, you know, for me, the numbness um, when that, connection happens the the because i'm so conditioned to not um letting my feelings take up space they can then be really really overwhelming and then it turns into white women tears and i'm taking up all the space and that's scary too right so then i just really err on the side of nope you know um and so and i don't even want to like talk too much more about like white people's feelings and all of this. I really just wanted to offer some questions to to invite folks to sit with because, you know, as you said, we were having another conversation where, and then, you know, when we center, it's a tricky, it's a balance, right. Of like, we want to offer provocations and the questions to help folks be aware of the insidious nature of white supremacy and patriarchy. And we don't want to center white folks and whiteness again in the tragedy of black lives. Right. right. So how- well, yes, I appreciate you saying that. And so that I'm clear on this with the audience is clear. I specifically wanted to have this conversation with you about the white lens and the white game. For so sure. there's a difference between it and defaulting to that. And that was totally. that that was because it's something you and I have talked about on various mm-hmm. occasions. Like this is not a new thing for me. Like I do have this experience right. of whiteness in a way that I don't. It's so. Uh, opposite from how I move. I just don't understand it. And for me to not move into judgment, Mm -hmm. to not move into judgment, right or wrong, and then demonizing white people, making Mm -hmm. white people evil. Sure. I have to have the conversation. Like I know for Mm -hmm. me, given like when I do my introspection and my self-awareness being raised in a family where whiteness was demonized and white people is demonized. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I was told that like eight years old if if i ever brought home a white boy my father said he'd meet me at the doorstep with a shotgun mm-hmm. he'd shoot me first and then shoot him like that's the kind of shit you know so like yeah. i have to transmute to, <laughs> yeah you know i have to transmute that and the only way that i can do that is in having conversations um right. so yes i appreciate you saying that and just so mm-hmm. the audience knows i mm-hmm. particularly am interested in the white yeah response and the white gaze mm-hmm. and the, the white lens on mm-hmm. this. And I appreciate you taking the time. I know that you don't present all, you don't represent all of those things, which Just even in, an, in, yeah. in and of in that is like a difference in experience, right? As black sure. people, yeah, we represent all black people, right? We yeah. don't want to, and we don't, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I'll speak from the eye. I don't necessarily want to, sometimes I don't care, but you know, I don't necessarily <laughs> want yeah. to, yeah. but that is definitely part of my experience of being black. It's like the, to go, you know, full circle to go back to the elder black woman in the supermarket store yesterday. I don't know whose grandmother she was, or even if she was somebody's grandmother, but she was mine in that moment. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted her to 
get her shopping and with ease. Like, I, you know, I was going to be like a little crazy stalker and she never knew it. I was just going <laughs> like, to be a crazy skit, you know? Yeah. I was just kind of in the background, just making sure that she's fine all the way to her car. And then maybe mm-hmm. I'd ask her, can I put your groceries in the car for you? Like, I just wanted to care for her. But that's like one black person or all black people. Yeah. Kind of indoctrination. So there's a positive in it and a negative of like it's mm-hmm. it is warmth and it is love, but it's also a conditioning that we don't get an individual identity. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. it is a we from the get. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I, I continue to appreciate like for me, what keeps coming up in this conversation is the root of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy. I mean, you're saying conversation, but for me, conversation is one way of connection, right? And like, as I have grown up in the indoctrinated ways of anti-Blackness, like you have also grown up in demonizing white folks. Real talk though, justifiably. (laughs) So that's different. I want to name that. Um, Just want to name that. And, right, like, how do we transmute all of this is through yeah. connection and love. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I can have a visceral, I can't contain the emotions when someone I know and love is harmed. Mm-hmm. It's not like, I, I have a friend who uh, is like a white millionaire CEO tech guy. And I remember he asked me one time, we talked about this openly on his podcast because he, uh, after George Floyd really had some internal reckoning and he brought it up. I wasn't going to bring it up, but he was like, remember that time we were having dinner and you were talking about, um, you know, the, the, the ways in which uh, black and brown children in Oakland are just harmed so much by the system. And he was like, and I just remember asking you, like, why do you care? And I couldn't even talk in response. I was like, those are my babies. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? And like, it was a perfect moment to see oh, you don't have relationship with Black folks, therefore you can so flippantly say, why do you care about Black kids? And I was like, and I have relationship with these Black children and am doing the work to be in community and center connection, right? So that I can transmute and transform the ways in which I've been brainwashed that these children are not to be cared for, which is actually symbolic of what the system is doing to them. Therefore, you not having this connection is how you have humanized the system. Right. And so that doesn't mean go out and start, you know, taking over and volunteering. But like, I mean, I guess another question, you know, to build off one of your questions from earlier, like if you're not talking about it, why not? I would even say, who do you know and love that has been harmed, that that is having an experience or would be impacted by what happened yesterday differently than you are impacted? And if you don't know anybody, ask why you don't know anybody, right? And if you do, what does unconditional love and support look like for that person? Like, have you checked on them? Mm -hmm. Are they sitting next to you at your work table? Have you like just held space to honor that they may be in a different place than you are? And not make it about yourself in the inquiry about that. I mean, so again, I appreciate you asking this question so that, you know, but I do want to continue to say, like, it is important for white folks as we are in this inquiry to be mindful about not putting more labor on black folks. Because if somebody's grieving and I walk in and I'm just like, I mean, I think about it, like, would you walk into a funeral like peppy, you know, and like, hey, everybody, like. What's all right, come on, we'll get over. There's a party after this. Like it would be disrespectful, right? And so there's a way in which that 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 white supremacy infiltrating the professional spaces, right, doesn't allow for that kind of mindfulness or for that connection. It's actually another connection, but it's less human connection than it's more like situational connection, right? Like what are the things that apply in people's homes and neighborhoods? And how do we who has to leave that at the door and change to be in a professional space and who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. As you were talking, you totally, I, I love, see, this is, this is why I can't do small talk anymore. Cause I'm friends with you. Um, 
Triple Aries, New Yorker. (laughs) (laughs) But you illuminated for me um, in that. You illuminated for me an assumption embedded in my original question that was in my head, but I didn't say aloud. Um, And that was like when I said, if you're not talking about this, why are you not? Like, Mm -hmm. for me, an assumption embedded in that is like, because I pretty much assume most white people don't have black friends. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Like you have coworkers, you might have facilitated mm-hmm. teacher in your life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my experience, and I got a lot of white, well, I had mm-hmm. a lot of white friends and then I got on Facebook and realized they're not actually friends. But um, I was often, a lot of people that I'm no longer now that I'm almost 50, I've learned, like I had to come to a reckoning of all the folks that I... I didn't ask them to ask the question, but I asked them, why am I your only black friend? Like, how does that work? I, was, <laughs> I can't, I don't yeah. know. I don't want to be old. Like there's some people, some people survived. Yeah. <laughs> Minimal yeah. people survived, but most of those people, no, we're not there. <laughs> but anyway, cause th- that's the assumption I was coming out of. Like, I'm assuming like in my question was like, my understanding of white privilege and whiteness is such that, the allure of it and the entrenchment, the insidiousness of it is such that you really could move in this world unaffected by such a heinous crime sure. by virtue of your whiteness and mm-hmm. white privilege. Mm-hmm. Because many white folks don't have anybody in their lives except for either other white folks or probably uh, white adjacent folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was the assumption in my, you know, yeah. so I wasn't, I appreciate you bringing out for folks who do have, for white folks who do have folks of color in their, in their worlds or particularly black folks. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you bringing up like the, the, just a, a nudge of caution of like, think about if you are, if you are going to step into this question of who am I not talking to and, mm-hmm. you know, why am I not talking to folks? And then your one's response to that is to then talk to folks. Yeah. If you do have black folks in your life, be, be, be cognizant, be intentional yeah. about that. I wasn't thinking about that. And that just, you just helped me illuminate like an assumption mm-hmm. that I was moving from. And that's what I like about transmuting. Like transmuting just really, again, helps me get clear, right? Yeah. Be clear mm-hmm. on what I'm saying and why and all the layers of when we are in conversation with folks or sharing space, there's so many layers to each of us. So there's so much happening, Mm -hmm. you know, and white supremacy. That's why I think the, 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 the the trickery of white supremacy and our current obsession with the need to move in such urgency, it doesn't Mm -hmm. allow for those layers to show themselves, right. Or to have a conversation where one can explore what's happening like where I can explore what's happening for me and then I get to have choice and agency over recognizing that and what, what for me, what's working and what's not working for me and yeah. having asking a question in general, but particularly mm-hmm. of a friend I care with, with a friend I care about. And also on a podcast where we're trying to help other people move through this, yeah. not more thought through. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it becomes a learning of like, okay, well, next time I know, breathe, slow down and really think about un unpack the assumptions that are in there and add something I don't get to ask the question, but mm-hmm. I ask it with deeper clarity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and deeper uh, specificity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing too, that like, I feel like you're illuminating is, you know, I, you said something a little while ago, like you didn't, you're in a different place than you were a few days ago. Cause that is fucking natural, right? That is how grief works. And you will be in another different place in a few days. And, um, you know, the, the, the having conversations, taking time to process, slowing down, like, I I just want to remind us all like that takes time. And so like in a, in a untransmuted way, I can see some folks leaving this podcast. Like I'm actually really inspired to jot down some questions from our conversation today to have on deck for when sadly enough tragedy happens to help organizations and groups think differently about the day after. But I guess the other thing I want to say is it's not just the day after. Yeah. Like it's Thursday. This happened Sunday. Yeah. We're still talking about Sandy Hook when a bunch of white yeah. kids got killed however many years ago, 
right? Aren't those kids would have been in high school by now, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's we're still talking about that tragedy, but I can see in an untransmuted way, people be like, okay, cool. Thanks for those questions. We'll ask those on Monday and then it's back to business on Tuesday. Like that's an incremental change. Yeah. You know, Um, that really isn't honoring the humanity of black folks for sure. Um, But our collective humanity, like what is, what happens when white folks slow down? I mean, back to my question between the awareness and the action. Yeah. What if you took a week and stayed in regular reflection and conversations to see what becomes illuminated, like you just so beautifully modeled, to see what other questions arise, right? Like that's how patriarchy works is we're not curious. One of the ways patriarchy works, we just want to fix stuff. So what are we curious about? And like, what does being humble, if I hold power and privilege, look like? And how can I create space for those that may not have power and privilege institutionally um, mm-hmm. or who are in trauma to honor whatever it is they need? But it also means whatever it is they need may change over time because we right. slow down and we breathe and see clarity. So what you needed today, I know what you didn't need on Monday was a conversation about how white folks are showing up. I know that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, as we talked about before, that was a, uh, I called out black that day. I canceled all, <laughs> I canceled all meetings and I was like, yeah, cause that, that my North, there's no way I could have stayed in my North star of do, do less harm to others than myself. Cause it would have been harmful to myself That's to right. be in conversation with white folks and what would have, there would, there was no filter. Like all the rage would have come out mm-hmm. on any white folks I was engaging, that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether passively indirectly or overtly directly and you know the way i move now i've sit in so much power about how i move it it definitely would have been a verbal lashing and some people crying (laughs) there was some white tears on that day yeah so well and i guess it, it for me what the wondering i have is like um you know if being on if a white person if i'm on the receiving end of a black person's rage. What is what does it still look like to sit there and hold space and feel perhaps for the first time, uh, unlike what your experience has been like, oh, now I represent all white people and not make it mean anything other than this is what I can do to, you know, I'm not saying tolerate someone being abusive, but I am saying like to have understanding Like, oh, this is fucked up for you today. And oh, maybe I am not showing up in a way that's fostering love and support. Mm -hmm. And then to really just sit in that and do my own work internally so that I'm not making it about me, (laughs) that I'm not taking it personally, but I am inviting an opportunity to be self-aware and introspective, right? Like, so I say all that to say like, that's beautiful that you were able to call out black. Uh, and, you know, listen, we have a relationship, so I don't really expect there to be a lashing from you to me. And there have been plenty of places I've been in where that day black folks in the space got zero tolerance for white people shit. And, yeah. you know, that is an important place for folk. I can imagine there's a lot of folks who mm-hmm. we know how that can go. And it won't be yeah. helpful for black folks if white people are not transmuting. You know, yeah. or those that hold, you know, positional power are not transmuting. That's not just white people, right? There's an expectation yeah. professionally that, um, you know. I mean, well, the ex- expectation always exists for black, like microaggressions sure. happen all the time and we're supposed to just move through it. That's right. Can't express any reaction to it. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, so, uh, yeah, you're just, you're reminding me too of like, look, I, I say this to my clients all the time, just how, and this is like to own this and to really spend time understanding this statement is an act of transmitting white supremacy and patriarchy. Life is nuanced and contextual and complex. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, like I appreciate you bringing up that some folks don't have the power that I have, the privilege that I have, 
you know, being the CEO of my own consulting company, I determined shit. We gonna be black all day long, and we just gonna go, you know. But a lot of some people don't have that, yeah. And so they do have to show up at work, and sometimes we don't, you know, we don't have the capacity to hold it on it all That's in, right. and it's gonna come out and it's gonna land. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean, like you said, I appreciated like the complexity and the nuance of like. It doesn't make it okay if the way it shows up is abusive or um, uh, harmful. It doesn't make it, uh, it doesn't mean that, like, there's so much in there, right? It's like, it's the thing of like, what I hope for us is to, us meaning a humanity, a a species, Mm -hmm. to get to a place to... Be able to hold all of that and have the conversation, right? Where mm-hmm. a, a white woman gets to cry because her feelings are hurt, and it's not just white tears. Yeah, and it's that's not. Right. That's not the immediate thing. Or even if it is, that we can talk about it. That's right. We can have a conversation. We have the tools that are available to us. That's right. To stay in it and have a conversation, and having the tool to know to say, "I can have the conversation now, but I'll get back to you. I need that's ten right. minutes. I need two days. I need that's a week. Right. But I will come back to the table." And when I'll I have can. this talk, like, mm-hmm. and to be able to, that, to be able to, cause that moment holds everything that the reality of someone, it can't hold it anymore. That's and right. it's going to, you know, have a, have an emotional response to something that demands a fucking emotional response. That's right. And then, That's and right. then the next person is, and then the next person is, and That's it's right. all contextual within this fucking bullshit world of white supremacy and patriarchy. That's right. mm-hmm. And the fact that we can't have the, well, many of us, I am, I'm generalizing, but my experience, my experience of the world is that we can't have the, those conversations. Yeah. And my experience is that we can't have those conversations, <clears throat> not by happenstance. Yeah. But it reminds me that the vehicles of white supremacy and patriarchy are driving along just as they were meant to. Yeah. Like it, that's, that's right. the reminder for me of like, Oh, Oh, of course this person, you know, went and shot down folks and he's still alive with a gun <laughs> in his hand. <laughs> he's still alive. Of course he is. It's not a fluke. That's the system. It, that's how it's supposed to work. He gets to live after killing multiple people with a gun in his hand. But if he were black, homeboy would be dead. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. He would be dead. So, but that's the reality. Like when I have those conversations with me, I'm like, oh, that's not, it doesn't surprise surprise me. No, it Mm -hmm. enrages me, but that's the system working exactly how it's supposed to fucking work. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. So Mm -hmm. that's part of me for me is like why it's so important to get the questions answered around for me to keep in dialogue around what yeah. is happening for white people because the system is fucking killing us. Yeah. And that complicity in the silence, mm-hmm. whether it's silence to the self or silence with others, yeah. it's not okay. Yeah. And it's, and, and I need the construct yeah. to be transmuted by more of us, particularly all of us, but yeah. particularly white fucking people. <laughs> Cause yeah. we're, we're out here fucking getting slaughtered. Yeah. You know, it, it, it I'm just going to pause because I don't want to fill up the space after you said that. See, so that's an example of the numbness. I had a question before you shared that and I was ready to just offer the question. And Mm -hmm. so the transmuting work I just did right there was to honor that you just said something gravity, like of immense gravity, that black folks are being slaughtered. And so I just want to name that that happened, Mm -hmm. even though that still may feel really quick. Mm -hmm. That felt like two minutes to me to sit there and just pause. Mm -hmm. You know me and my wait time. Yep, yep. And I want to share my rage that the white man with the gun was walked gently to a police car and that absolutely were a black person to have been the shooter would not have been walked anywhere. And there was a really brilliant 
commentary about the photograph of the police walking him and about the, the careful, the comforting hand on the back, that there was a way in which when we talk about systems, I think very clearly also about police, there's a way in which when we talk about connection, I feel like to some degree, and this may, we may catch a lot of flack for this, or oh, oh, me, I am about to say it, but like, I think to some degree, um, there is a way in which police officers feel connection to that person. Those police officers feel connection to that person. And there is, that is why they can have the compassion. Right. And yep. so it's, it's while we're talking about connection being the root of compassion and right. And transmuting it also perpetuates the violence and the slaughter of black yep. people in this country. So I'm going to say that. Yep. The question I was sitting with as I was beginning to listen to you share that last piece was a wondering of, and we can use this question at any time, like how in this moment, given the nuance, given the complexity, can I do less harm? Mm -hmm. And I may know something now that I didn't know 10 minutes ago. And guess what? I get to ask myself that question again. How can I, now that I know what I know, how can I do less harm? Mm -hmm. And in an hour, now that I know what I know, how can I do less harm? That's right. right. And, I love and that just question. really, it's such a, I've loved that you've been mantraing it, that the work that, that is all we can do is do less harm. Yep. That's not all we can do, but it's a pretty big, like, it's, it's a, a pretty, pretty big. I've, I have instituted it as a North Star. Like, yeah. that, I had a question in, in a session the other day around how, so it was something around like, how do I know when to use what tools or something like that? It was a really good question. Mm -hmm. And I said, I was like, I don't know that I can answer that because it varies. Like since things are so nuanced and contextual, Mm -hmm. I will sometimes have, like if I know I'm walking into a situation where I'm feeling angst or I have a lot of feelings or Mm -hmm. whatever resistance Mm -hmm. to a conversation, I'll keep my little sheet of like the different tools that are available to me that are not default that's right. That are not set up by white supremacy and patriarchy. That's right. The other options that are available to me that often lead to connection. That's right. That often lead to opening up and expansion mm-hmm. of opening up the space to have conversation, to explore, to be curious. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do know is that what I, what I, because sometimes that's what I said, because sometimes emotions are so high that I can't, even if I look at the list, I don't know, even, I don't even know what to grab on. I don't know if it's grace or compassion. Sure. I don't know sure. if it's how, not if I don't, I don't know if That's it's right. breathe, slow down, see clarity. I don't know yeah. which one it is. Um, and so what I'm teaching myself is to that, my North star that, that, that by virtue of my personality, I think, and what spirit gave me integrity is a really important thing for me. That's right. Like I center my integrity all the time. And so Centering integrity for me is that North Star, is knowing right. my North Star. That's what I tell my clients all the time. You got to do the work to figure out what is your North Star. Yeah. Mine yeah. is do less harm to myself and others in that That's fucking right. order. That's right. <laughs> like for me, it's in that order because That's as right. a black queer woman, mm-hmm. I had to learn to regard myself. And so yeah. the less harm is to me first and less harm to others. Mm-hmm. That's my North Star. And so I remember when I'm in moments of like, eh, like, you know, trigger, yeah. real deep trigger, real mm-hmm. deep poke, pokey, uh, hurt, harm. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's happening to me outside in the world or what's happening in the world. For me, yeah. my center of integrity, my North Star is do less harm to myself and others. Mm-hmm. And then that remembering. That's right. Then then it kind of, then I can like, okay, 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 okay. So what do I do now? If, if, if my, if my agreement with myself is to do less harm to myself, what is my next step? That's right. That's right. And then, and then the next step and then the next step, right. And then like I do that step. Okay. I'm still in do less harm to myself and others. That's right. If I add the others after that first step, then now what do I do? And then I do it. And then the asking Mm -hmm. that question. Mm -hmm. And that has been, immensely helpful in my sure. own processing of 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 seeing where because transmuting white supremacy for me is like transmuting white supremacy means i am i am no longer defaulting to the thoughts and beliefs that white supremacy has planted that's right in my logic brain that's right transmuting patriarchy for me means i am no longer defaulting 
to the act of dismissing being in my body. Yep. So both those things, that, that centering of integrity, that being intentional about doing less harm to me means my entire being, my body, my mm-hmm. thoughts, all that kind of stuff in it. And that has been instrumental in being mm-hmm. able to even, you know, hold a conversation like this with a white person. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's super helpful that you're my bestie, uh, <laughs> but I could theoretically, I could have this conversation with any white person. Sure. I don't know. There's too many white people who have this conversation with me, mm-hmm. but Yes. But that's the work of transmuting. Yes. 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 I mean, there's a few, there's a few, Mm -hmm. there's a few rising stars in our course. Yeah. Say that. Shout out to Uh the white folks in our course doing the work. (laughs) They are. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Well, I really love too what you said about, um, because I believe this for a long time that when we're activated, uh, all, all we do, I mean, this is, there's some brain science to this, but also just fucking makes common ass sense. Uh, when we're activated, we do what we know, you know? And like, so I know for myself, like I'm not showing up at my most healed place when I'm super activated. Right. And so what does it look like to, again, I would say when we're activated, we do what we don't even know. We know that's right. Deep level. Real talk. We don't even know. We know it. That's better. Thank you for that. And what does it look like to begin to know there's so much I don't know. And to have things on deck that help me do less harm to myself and others. So I love that you've got tools out. And we encourage people to do this all the time. Like, here's a packet of tools. Yep. I would say the challenge is people don't often give themselves the time and space to slow down and breathe and see clarity. Because we got to jump right into the thing. Or I got to get, I only got a minute on this. So of course, Mm -hmm. while I'm activated and I look at a four-page document to like pick the tool. No, take a breath slow down. What am I present to that I need right now? You know, how can I cause, how can I be less harm to myself and others? Just like take five, take 10, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, start there. Start there. I think that's it's a beautiful start. Enough. I tell, that's what I tell people all the time. Just start there. Start with the noticing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> in this sense, start with like, mm-hmm. even yeah, I tell, we're, we move so fast in our culture. I tell, I'm like, start with the 10 seconds that's that right. we do, know. you know, when we're facilitating, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just start with practicing stopping for 10 seconds right. and then you got to rush on to do what you do fine, uh-huh. but it's the doing it. We'll do it more and more, do it regularly. We'll that's do right. it more and more. That's and right. it, and, uh, cause even, even now there's moments when I'm, when I'm <laughs> facilitating, I will catch myself like you actually helped me because the other day when we were facilitating together, you were like, wow, that was a quick 10. <laughs> and I had to catch myself of like, it really was. I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know? <laughs> and so even, you know, catching myself of like, I've said in sessions, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I just finished the 10 in my head, but that was really quick. I know that was quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count again and go a little slower. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that helps us navigate that nuance and the complexity. Yep. Right. Because yep. if I'm just flying through it, I'm not aware of all the threads. It just right. seems like a wall, you know? Yep. And I mean, it's curtain. transmuting white supremacy in that you're stopping the idea of you have to be urgent, a false sense of urgency. That's right. And it's transmuting patriarchy because in that moment, it does allow, if you're if, 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 if I'm ready to let it, mm-hmm. it allows me to drop in. It That's allows right. me to drop into my body. body and then sense what's happening. Because mm-hmm. my body's going to give me messages before my mind actually. Yeah. <laughs> my mind is going to dictate to me. That's my right. body is going to give me some suggestions. And That's I've right. learned that I'm going to go with the suggestions my body is going to give me, That's right. not what my mind is dictating. Because my mind is dictating all that I've learned That's from right. white supremacy and patriarchy right. tenants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I am grateful uh, to you for this invitation to be in conversation yeah. and thank you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for taking the time. I, 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 I found it amazingly helpful and okay. uh, a growth, a, a, a beautiful side path in my learning journey. It was necessary. I hope that folks listening, Uh, take whatever they need from it as little or as much as Mm -hmm. might help to soothe or bolster or, you know, Mm -hmm. what did I like to say? Take what you folks who are listening. I hope that you're able to take as much or as little that will allow you to co-create, co-imagine, co-create, co-foster as, as, as you should see Mm -hmm. so fit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm getting hungry now. Yeah, we should. I was like, girl, eat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, I can't even. I can't even like really put the words together. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make some pasta. And that's our dismount. <laughs> I love you. Thank Dean. you. Have a good one. Love you. All love right. You. Talk Aww. soon. <laughs> We want to take a moment and acknowledge the tools used in this podcast are from a course that we have co-created called Cultivating Intersectional Leadership. We believe the path of cultivating intersectional leadership is a transformative journey that supports individuals and organizations in making the deeply systemic, strategic, intuitive, innovative, and necessary shifts away from old ways of being that no longer serve us, our organizations, or our communities. For more information about the course, visit cultivatingintersectionalleadership.com. We want to thank our brilliant and kind producer, Aaron Rand Freeman. And don't forget, if you'd like to support us, we do appreciate it. You can find us on Patreon, Eyes on Whiteness, and you can rate and leave a review anywhere you're listening to the podcast.